Chase, don't do that. See, we, we working on his brow chakra. We're just in back of the crown chakra. All right, welcome to Waxing the Porpoise. Uh, we are here on episode 20 now. That's a mini milestone, I guess. Um, yeah. Feel, feels like I ha we haven't done 20 of these, but uh, which I want to say is a good thing. Um, yeah. We're here just to, today to discuss another film, this time breaking formula a little bit. This is one both Steve and I have never seen before. Totally missed it. And this is this comes recommended from a listener, and I've known about this one for a while, that it's it's supposed to be a super good Western, and I just never uh, got around to it. But uh, 1976 is The Outlaw Josie Wales. Um, joined by myself, Jim... G baby, BG. That means a baby gangster. And of course, as always, the usual suspect, Steve. How are you, friend? Doing, doing well, Jim. How are you? I'm doing good. He's supposed to be Turkish. Yeah. Some say his father was German. Nobody ever believed he was real. I was expecting another K-Pax clip. I got a couple. I sprinkled in here. I'm just not trying to blow my whole wad um, right out of the gate. So what's new with you? How's, how's your week been? Uh, it's been good. Uh, we had an interesting night last night. I woke up in the middle of the night. It's like three in the morning and, and the missus is standing over the bed. And she's like, did you hear that? I'm like, oh God, what? And we have the window open and the fan on, so it's, you know, it's kind of loud. I'm like, uh, what? And she's like, I keep hearing this, like, banging sound. And our neighborhood's usually pretty quiet, so, you know, like, when I lived in college town, you would hear all kinds of crazy shit all night, and it wasn't a big deal. So, I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. So, I turn the fan off, pull it out of the window, and I'm standing at the window, and it sounds like somebody's banging against either like a door or like a window or something, but pretty hard. And I'm looking around and I don't see anybody with lights on or anybody standing out in their backyard or anything. And so just kind of waiting. It stops, lay back down. A few minutes goes by. It starts up again. I'm like, what the fuck is this? And then, cause it sounds like it's coming from a house two or three down to our East, I guess. And mm -hmm. our, our direct next door neighbor to the east is a young couple that's super cool. And so I was asking her, like, well, have you texted them? Because we'll text back and forth if neighborhood shit's going on. She's like, I don't want to wake them up in case they're not awake and blah, blah, blah. So uh, I don't think anybody called the cops at any point, but I see a light come on here. I hear somebody out in their backyard at some point, and then it stops. So we go to bed, wake up in the morning. She texts the neighbors like, hey, did you guys hear anything that was going on last night? And the wife was like, yeah, that was me. I was out at a uh, bachelorette party and like, she, I guess she had left her keys at home and the husband had fallen asleep. And so she was trying to like bang her way back into the house. <laughs> and I can't really blame her because uh, I've, I've told the story on here about when I was sleepwalking and I 
tried to knock down our fucking front door and I woke up half the neighborhood. So I've been there, but yeah, it was pretty, it, it was so strange though, but yeah, that was, um, that was the big excitement around here. How about you guys? The high, high strangeness in the, in the burbs coming <laughs> yeah. off your fucking diarrhea yeah. on, on the burbs, which we'll <laughs> yeah. get to. That'll be fun. Um, yeah, that sucks. So the husband must just sleep like a fucking rock. I guess. Yeah. Right on. Well, I mean, I, I probably would have slept through it if, if the old lady hadn't woken me up because I sleep pretty deep too. But. Yeah, me as well. I, I'm i kind of ashamed of how deep I sleep because if like something were to happen, like I'd probably sleep through it. Um, yeah, I go into like a fucking coma when I sleep. Um, yeah, this past week for us, nothing too crazy i i think i failed to mention to you at least that i got a dog we got a new dog uh yeah i've seen pictures and i i've been meaning to ask you about it for the last like month yeah i've been meaning to bring it up so fucking cute looks like a little bear cub yeah it's pretty rad it looks like i i think it's it's in the spitz breed or like lineage of dog um what does that mean I don't know. I thought you would know. And I'd be like, yeah, totally. Um, is that like a, like a I, breed I of dog? It's, it's like a, uh, like a sub family, like a sub genre of dog. I think it's related to, it's like definitely European. Cause these ones, the key, they're called Kishans. They're like native to, uh, the Netherlands. They're like a water dog. Like they got a good coat for it. They like being out and like they can, chase shit and like they're they're real good at like uh uh like an off-label use for like herding you know i want to say they're related to german shepherds but i don't think that's right some kind you know like how they have like a toy group a working group there's like other like sub classifications of dogs and this one is i guess this would be a good question for uh dick if we ever get him on because his mom was a yes that's right dude my mom used to raise and show dogs (laughs) do you remember we were like oh you guys subscribe to dog fancy too he's like yeah (laughs) (laughs) just like yes like face value the, the yep. only person i've ever met that watches the fucking westminster kennel club <laughs> dog finals i'll t- if it's on back in the day i'd flip through it i'd i'd put i'd leave it there for 15 or 20 minutes in hopes of snagging like a just a unit of a bulldog or like a <laughs> like a chow or something or like a sharpay something funky looking but i can't watch that shit yeah i'm sure he watches it like like he's watching a ball game uh-huh or a playoff like, game. Oh, that that's bad form. That's gonna hurt him in the finals. <laughs> um yeah. So yeah, that thing it's a puppy, it's like twelve weeks old, so I forgot Damn. how how hellish it can be with a pup. And this one likes to it does like to chew. It's very bitey and its fucking uh teeth are like needles. Um how big do you also, expect it to get? Uh I think it gets like a smidge, like a scotch bigger than like, say a fully grown beagle. So okay. I guess a shade under like a, like a fleas dick below a, a medium sized dog. Okay. Kind of a tweener. Like a little baby like bear. A, yeah. 
Well, maybe yeah, throw, throw up a picture on the uh, Insta MySpace or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll share one on uh, on the, the socials. Her name is, uh, it's a girl. And my daughter was very adamant. She pushed back against my wife hard and she was like, Gloria. So the name Gloria. Is, dog's name is Gloria. So that's fun. You guys, pl- you guys probably like old lady names for dogs, don't you? Yeah, we were going through a bunch of them and I was pulling for, uh, for Opal or, uh, Mildred. Esther. Hey, Mildred. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Es- so, uh, Esther, one of only two books of the Bible named after a woman, a woman. Can you name the other? Uh, ah, yes, it's Ruth. Ruth. The answer is Ruth. Ruth. Darn it. Mm. We should do like a a Bible uh, episode one of these days. Like to get into like, you're not into it? Uh, I just think like, I think my, because I went to Christian school for a long time growing up. But I am losing some of that knowledge. Like before, if there was like a Jeopardy category that was Bible shit, I would just absolutely run Clean a house. train. Oh yeah, but now it's like ah fuck, I, I, I'm I'm just losing it. I haven't been keeping up on my devotionals and Bible study. <laughs> yeah, but, I thought it might be interesting to to like test your knowledge on some of like the more like uh, esoteric like. Uh, kind of stuff on the periphery like like uh the book of enoch and shit like that the watchers the nephilim um yeah that stuff's like not really in the bible though right isn't that I know, part of it i th- i thought though by being like kind of being raised in that in that world like if you'd have you know just like there's a an not underbelly as- or an yeah. undercurrent you know, not not as much as the more like mainstream stuff that they teach you, just because they they just pound it in your head over years and years of being in Christian school. But yeah, that could be fun. I mean, dude, there's a lot of pretty wild Bible stories, and I mean, the story of Esther is a pretty cool story too. There's a there's a sneaky Jewish like there's an attempt to like wipe out these Jews, and Esther is secretly Jewish and. Yeah, it's, ah. it's a it's, a, it's an interesting story. She like becomes the queen or some shit by pretending to not be Jewish, and then the king's like right hand man is like, "Hey, we should kill all the Jews," and then she's like, "Hey, I'm Jewish," and the king's like, "Well," <laughs> the king's like, "Well, henchman, now you're dead, you're dying." Yeah, beer, on, the ga- beer, 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 beer. on the gallows that you built to kill Jewish yeah. people. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I think I, that that could be cool. Um, I went to a Christian school like haphazardly, like when my mom was like on a like I want you to be like safe and like have the best shot. Like yeah, so go kicks, hang out with these Catholic know? adult men. Nowhere safer yeah. on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> no, I went to like one. I did like two years of evangelical school. Uh, Christian school and then I I broke my leg and this place had stairs like this is before the days of like having to be like have everything accessible and like there were these big cement stairs and they were like three and four stories high and that's where some of my classes were and I couldn't like I had a cast from ankle past the knee I broke my leg real nasty so I wasn't able to get up and there was no elevator so uh, 
The alternative was I went to a seventh day Adventist Christian school, like mid year for like four or five months. Uh-huh. And they taught some wild shit. And like, I got like this, this book that they had there. It's called the national Sunday laws. Have you ever heard of this? No, I went to a seventh day Adventist school for a year or two, but don't, aren't they like Saturday church people? Or yeah, they 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 believe like that the Sabbath is Saturday, like everyone yeah. else has got it all wrong, you know. Like that's just one of like the kooky kind of little and quirks of their they're denomination. No, they're the no dancing people too, I think. I can't remember because this is like right before eighth grade, so like half of seventh grade year, I went there. So I did, a lot of the I shit. I mean, I it I can't remember any of like the religious teachings really. I had a teacher in second grade old ass bitch her name was miss wrinkle and she used to play the she used to play the accordion and the what you're picturing in your mind right now is exactly what she was sweet lady Dude, a, a wrinkled old lady yeah miss Play, wrinkle playing, playing an accordion a wrinkled yeah. instrument and her name is wrinkle that's awesome that's like yeah. the trifecta yep Right on. Yeah, I think that might be cool. Like specifically, like bringing up the the National Sunday Law. Maybe I'll, I'll try to shoot you something off air because that that's just just wild. Like uh, they get into like some weird shit railing against like Catholics and like the, how the papacy is like uh, uh, sacrilegious because uh, like they invoke like the Pope is like not a god but higher than humans. So it's yeah, like, oh yeah, yeah. They call out like uh, it's like idol worship. Same thing with Mary too. It's like you're not anything but people treat. Any- yeah, that's that could be an interesting topic. Um, yeah, I will give gets, a quick it, shout out to uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses. Some of the nicest people on earth. Are you being facetious? No, not at all. They're super nice. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I actually. I mean, I hope I don't burn any bridges that I already haven't. But I have some family members that are. Uh, on my dad's side that are Jehovah's witness, maybe TMI, but, uh, they are super fucking nice. But once I got older and realized what the religion was and everything, it's like, dude, that's fucked up, man. Like, sorry. That shit's, I put, I lump it right next to like Scientology. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't even really know too much about it. I've just talked to a bunch of those guys and they've, they've always been super cool and not, not really like judgmental or overly preachy, but yeah. Once you get into the guts of it and like how it was like, uh, like it's inception and everything it's, it's very, to me, in my opinion, it's very close to Scientology, which is, is like, it? I, I remember no. hearing a rumor that I couldn't substantiate. That was like, Oh, you know, there was, there was a guy who was on death row but there was some carve out to where if you were like the founder of a religion, they couldn't execute you. So he's like, I'm just going to invent this Jehovah's witness religion. And they're like, damn it. Now we can't kill you. Have you heard of anything like that at all? Or am I convincing that up with something else? Yeah. That you're on the right track. Not that I'm an expert in it, but I think that that is a big chunk of it. My wife fucking knows a ton about it. And, uh, she, she caught me up to speed one day and I was like, Oh fuck. I looked into it myself too a little bit after that to fact check, but yeah, it's like, it's a, it's a super controlling, it's a cult. It's all it is. It's a straight up cult. They don't do blood transfusions, which is strange. Yeah. They have a lot of stuff that kind of like, like they don't do birthdays. They call it, or any holidays. They call it anniversary. They have one 
holiday that they call anniversary every year. So you don't have a birthday. You can't play sports. You can't do any kind of competition type shit. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Now that we are fully off the rails. Yes. uh, (laughs) I think that would be, that could be a cool, uh, because we could go off on some cool, funky tangents too i will say if you're over eight years old and you're one of those people who celebrates your birthday don't i think it's fine like it's like it's not like you know when you get in your 30s you're having you're sending out invitations and fucking but it's like it's a nice day it's just like a father's day or mother's day it's like okay i i get to kind of relax today and just leave me alone and i'm gonna get a round table pizza Oh, but you don't have round table out there in Midwest hell, do you? I know. Yeah. I think they cut they cut you off right right around Nevada. It's about mm. as far east as it goes. Yeah. Bomber. Shocker. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize that when I came out here. I was like, what the fuck? Um, you gotta settle for a godfathers or something. They don't even have those out here. God, I wish. <laughs> God, dude, Godfather. Me and my me and my wife talked about this not too long ago. How we were reminiscing on the days of Godfathers. That was Ugh. just a fucking awesome. You didn't like it? Not a fan? No, I don't. I don't oh, remember I'm, liking it when I was a kid. Oh, I loved it, dude. They had a taco pizza. They had a bunch of crazy shit. They had cool like dessert pizzas, and it was always cheap. They had a two one two for one deals, but. Uh, okay, let's let's get into this then. Yeah, um, anywho. <laughs> any any hoozles. Um, so yeah, we're here to talk about the outlaw Josie Wales. I had never heard about this, or I, I'd heard about the film, but I didn't know anything about it. I just just a just a western that I'd never seen. Um, what about you? Yeah, pretty much the exact same. I I definitely had heard of it, but I, in my mind, I just kind of put it in that same category of all those old Westerns that were kind of boring and slow moving that my grandpa would just like put in the chew and fall asleep watching on the couch. <laughs> yeah. I was actually pleasantly surprised. Uh, Dude, I, I fucking this. loved it. I was, yeah, into I thought it. it was great. Sweet. Yeah. I, I thought it was fucking rad and we'll get into it more, but I, I think it's, it definitely, uh, I haven't seen a ton of Westerns, but I feel like I'm building my, my uh, stable of shit that I have seen in the Western genre. And I feel like this one is like, it's, it stands ahead of the pack because it's not straight ahead. Like Western rustling, shooting. It's got, it's got more depth than that. Yeah. I agree a hundred percent with everything you said. I haven't seen a ton of Westerns myself, but I feel like a lot of them are like really simple. Like, this person's going here to do this and then they go back and then they do that like kind of fistful of dollars. I liked a lot, but it was very simple, like linear. And yeah, it was, it was, it was neat, but like not super deep. This one definitely had more uh, layers to it. And it's funny because going into it, I obviously knew nothing about it. I saw it was, you know, 130 plus minutes. I'm like, okay, so this is probably going to be like a super slow burn slow build up and within like nine seconds they've like burned his whole <laughs> shit down and killed his wife and kid like wow that was a yeah. quick start that was very very fast i guess yeah, we're just I gonna would... get right to it <laughs> yeah that that definitely struck me too because like it begins very like somber and like he's plowing his fucking fields and it's got like a a pretty a cheerful kind of soundtrack and like 
intro credits going in. It's like, okay, cool. And then it's just like, yeah, these like hard cuts to like this, like a, a house burning and like screaming and this, this dude losing his entire family in a blink of an eye. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I, I like how it pull and throughout the, the film, there's a lot of like major points like, and like little skirmish, uh, there's not a lot of like dead uh, action in between. Like there's not, I guess there's some, but I, I feel like it was paced pretty well. It didn't feel like a two hour and 15 minute movie to me. No, there was, I felt there like was a, it moved. Yeah. Well, and there was enough going on too. It wasn't just like a long slog. There were a lot of cool sort of checkpoints along the way where cool shit would happen. And then it would kind of go back to like a more meandering whatever. And then, and then it would be punctuated with another something cool that happened. But I always, I always find it funny when they try to do these montages or not even a montage, but like uh, a way to explain like the scene where he starts shooting the log and he's like all over the fucking place and just missing yeah. it. And then it's like 30 <laughs> seconds of him shooting it. And then it's like, um, and, and now he's uh, the, the most deadly uh, gun gunslinger ever after a one minute clip of him shooting into this four yeah. by four. Yeah, I guess if I would have to knock it like at all, and I don't even know if it's a knock, but if like, it kind of leave felt, that part out. <laughs> yeah, it felt kind of short change. Like I felt short changed. Like yeah, going from that, and then all of a sudden, it's like he he just has this built in reput- reputation as like one of the baddest motherfuckers around. And I was like, I didn't see that at all. But I guess you don't have to see it, um, right? Yeah, I mean, it didn't really take away too much, but it just kind of made me laugh. No. Like. Ah, yes, that's that establishes him as like the deadliest gunslinger since Ringo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one, one thing that kind of it, and you're right there, I like the different little checkpoints, and you get uh, different cast of characters like every quarter of the part of the quarter way through the film. I feel like there's another uh, plot element or another, like someone tags along to their group. I kind of liked that, how it moved that way. You weren't just stuck with like, it's like a buddy cop, just two dudes and all the way to the end. And one of them dies, you know, like yeah. I liked how they introduced characters and I feel like the plot was pretty, like I had a lot going on in it. It wasn't just a straight up revenge tale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like when, the backdrop like- of the civil war and, well, yeah, because it, it started as, like, I'm going to go find these guys and fuck them up. And then it yeah. seemed to change gears when he found out the other there were other people who were kind of fleeing, who didn't want to surrender, who were going down to Texas. And he's like, all right, well, maybe I'll just go do that instead. And then they brought it to him. And he's like, all right, well, I guess we're doing it. Yeah. I guess to preface, to get in this, too, like, I, I don't want to do, like, a, try to synopsize, like, how we went down the, that road with uh, the Burbs last week but um i guess just for like a a basic setting and framework where we're at and i had a question about this too that i was a little confused by but um so this is this is like immediately after the civil war and the union has won and it takes we start in missouri which is where clint eastwood is it's like a hard cut to his family gets murdered by this uh Union captain who seems to be like kind of operating on the periphery, like he's almost just like a militia 
dude. Like he kind yeah, of pillaging. Yeah, I kind of got that vibe too. Like it was a, a independent like detachment of yeah. like these guys are over the top nuts. Yeah. Which is not crazy to think about because everyone thinks like I growing up hearing about like you know in history in the Civil War you think like I feel like you're galvanized to believe that the Union forces were like you know against slavery and you know they were just like true blue like paragons of virtue right yeah totally and in this it kind of paints a different picture and i mean it makes sense like you think about all these you know the the victor to the victor go the spoils and they write history you know so every example of that has had i'm sure factions of people that are you know at the end of a war are are gonna be raping and pillaging either literally or figuratively um yeah and, and well and you know, I think just enjoying kind of like, those spoils yeah well and i think that's one of the if not the main like theme of the movie is like goddamn war is fucked up mm-hmm. um yep but you know it's funny i was looking up i i because i didn't do a ton of research after i watched it but i did notice that two of the people in the movie the grandma um, whatever her name is that they find later. Yeah. And, and lone, lone Wati, both of them were born in the 1800s. Yeah. One, that's fucking nuts. One was 1899 and 1897. So imagine like their parents could have easily been alive during the civil war. And that's one person separation between us and their parent. Like, and you're, you're already back to the civil war, which seems like so long ago, but it's like, it's one person you know it's like one yeah not one generation but you know what i mean it's like one old person and one other really old person away yeah i wonder if any of that informed like their characters or the story like being that close to it like that old lady grandma sarah i wonder how much she pulled like she was able to pull from actual family history which is nuts oh yeah because i'm sure she had grandparents that would like tell stories uh i base that on nothing but it seems <laughs> it seems very possible yeah i mean another example of that too i was like i was looking i did a little bit of research too and i just noticed i i clicked on clint eastwood's bio went through him, some of his stuff and like he was born in 1930 even later but to think about that and he's still fucking alive yeah like dude that's nuts like he was 19 in 1949 that's insane. Like to, and mm-hmm. like all the shit that he's done from that point And he's still kicking. Like he just made a movie last year. He starred and directed, directed, uh, cry macho. I haven't seen it, but, um, yeah, he like, he's still fucking. Yeah. Gigging. I think I haven't seen, I think anything of his since Gran Torino, but I mean, as, as you do, I think he's losing his fastball a little bit, but, uh, yeah, yeah I mean, even just to be alive is a, is a feat. Yeah. 90, 90, 91, still making movies. It's nuts. But, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I like that, that this movie kind of, it didn't, uh, I feel like it didn't pull any punches on, you know, portraying, uh, by portraying the union soldiers as like, you know, human and not these, like you said, paragons of like, uh, honesty and truth and valor and all that. So, but so like one thing I was confused by was were the red legs, uh, like, is that what they called that group or was it just the main dude, captain red leg? 
No, that was his... that was what they called, I think, that whole detachment. Okay, cool. So that's who he's after, this detachment of kind of rogue uh operating on the on the outskirts Union soldiers that are probably just really overzealous and they've yeah. won the war. So they're tasked with like going around and rounding up all of the uh, unsavory Confederate types that still haven't surrendered. And so, uh, so Clint Eastwood loses his family. Like they just, he's just a farmer in Missouri. He, he doesn't have any dog in the, in the union or uh, Confederate fight the civil war. Although they don't tell you that maybe he, maybe he did fight on the Confederate side and then he just went back home. But, it, the way it portrays it is like he didn't have a dog in the fight and he just stayed with his family, his wife and kid, and he, he farmed his land. So these red legs, these union red legs come in and burn his house down and kill his family. So that's his impetus for revenge. And that's what we start. And then he gets kind of caught up in this after war uh, landscape. And he, he just, he hitches a ride basically with these Confederate uh, guys that aren't willing to surrender yet. And they're getting, they're being hunted down by more and more uh, of these, these union dudes that are trying to, you know, squelch all, all traces of the Confederacy. Um, So it's kind of like a, not really a montage, but like the first bit of it goes, it shows, you know, them, uh, just making their way west to Texas. Cause I guess Texas is like a, it seems like a, an open uh, bastion, last bastion for these, you know, Confederate types that are, they're not wanting to surrender, but they're kind of done is what I got. Like they, yeah. they want to, they want to save their dignity and their honor and they don't want to fucking surrender to these union fucks, blue bellies, they call them, mm-hmm. but they stood they're They're also done and they want, they want to, get the fuck out and move on. Um, so I think the next major part is um, this leader of their, the Confederate dudes that Clint Eastwood is now in. They surrender uh, it because the main dude's like, I'm just, I'm done. I don't want to fight anymore. And he's like, the union guys are saying, if we turn in our arms and we swear loyalty, to the union, they won't kill us. They'll give us food and they'll send us on our way. So they do that. They get double crossed. These union fucks like pull out a Gatling gun out of a, that's very similar to that scene in, uh-huh. um, uh, fistful, fistful of, dollars. of dollars. I was thinking and the same just, thing. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Oh, where have I seen this before? Well, yeah, they just mow down Clint Eastwood's whole, like all of his buddies that he's just been going through months of like, you know, guerrilla warfare, like hit and run kind of shit against the union guys. They all get mowed down ex- except for like two dudes, two or three dudes. And, um, it's cool because immediately, like, then Clint Eastwood jumps into another one of these fucking covered wagons that has another Gatling gun and starts just trading fire, and he fucking mows down like thirty dudes, like right off the bat. I was like, "Oh, dope! This is awesome." Yeah, yeah, you do, you do love to see violence on that level. That's for sure, especially when it's when, it, <laughs> when it's justified. Yeah. Um, and then, then yeah, he he befriends the kid. Kid seems nice, doesn't want to go. He convinces him to go, and then he kind of saves the kid. And and then that's his first little hanger on her. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's his first partner in crime. As, and I think that's where it really starts. It's like, now the rest of the movie, Clint Eastwood's basically on the lam, uh, like ev- trying to evade these Union forces that are trying to stamp out the last of the Confederacy. And he's like, um, he, he's got the younger dude that was in his guerrilla group of Confederates, and he's super young, uh, just innocent. And so he, he kind of takes a liking to him and wants him to stick around. Cause at first he's like, get the fuck out of here. You know, I'm on a, I'm on a, uh, I'm playing a zero sum game. Like I'm now I'm going to just try to finally find that red leg, that main red leg fucker and kill him. And then I'm, I'm done, you know? Um, but he befriends him and they pal around for a little while. Um, so then, yeah, it's it's really him on the lamb the rest of the movie. And his legend is like, it feels like every so often, you know, like they're, they're talking more about Josie Wales, Josie Wales, you know, like his legend is building. Um, and he's he is straight up just badass. He's quick on the draw. He's like smart. I like in this, it's a contrast to his other films like uh, High Plains Drifter and all three of the Man With No Name movies. He, does, he doesn't have a lot of... Uh, dialogue at all and whereas this one he has a fair bit um which i i enjoyed and uh one of my one of my favorite parts of this is kind of halfway through the movie they they ferry a river and it's held by this long ass rope and like a barge so you get on one side, you hang onto the rope, and then you pull yourself across on this barge to get across the other side of the river. Well, so they cross Clint Eastwood and his homie, and and then the Union guys, there's like fucking, I don't know, 10 or 15 of them on horseback, and they can see them. They're across the way. So they get on, and about halfway across the river, you see Clint Eastwood get his fucking rifle out with this crazy dope, like sniper scope. Like it's like the same length of the fucking Mm. rifle. And I can't, what, what's the line? He says, uh, he's like, you're not gonna, you can't shoot all of those guys, you know? And he's like, no, but he's like, he says something Something like like you ever heard of a Missouri boat ride. Yeah. And he fucking just shoots the rope and then the barge is just off. So that probably, I don't know. Fuck that had, had to have bought him like three or four days by doing that. So he gets, they get a little bit of space between them from that point. But, um, yeah. And then shortly after that is when those two, I guess like independent bounty hunters catch up to him and, and the young kid starts pretending like he's having a fever dream talking nonsense and they go to like pull the blanket up and he just shoots him in the fucking face. That was dope. I liked that. Pa. <laughs> yeah. He's all Pa, the golds. It's right here. <laughs> yeah. Just, that was a cool. fucking spits chaw on like everyone he kills and the dog for, yes. for no reason. <laughs> yes. Dude. He's got a couple really good lines too. I can't, I've, I meant to write it down. I think maybe I did, but Yeah. That's his hallmark. It's like right. It's right before like he's about to draw. He'll he'll do a fat spit of chaw, or after he's killed someone, he like fucking marks them and he hits them in their forehead with his dip spit. Um, yeah. So right after that, so then little homie uh, dies uh, of consumption or some shit. I don't know. Um, he got from he his, got his bullet shot. wound. <laughs> 
Uh, I think he died of being shot. (laughs) Oh yeah. This is, this is the, this is the part. Um, after they kill those two dudes, after they cross the river, hit the little homie says something to him. Uh, Oh yeah. He's like, Hey, should, shouldn't we bury them fellas? They're going to know. And then, uh, Eastwood cuts him off and he's all hell with them fellas. Buzz buzzard's got to eat. Same as words, same as worms. And he, then that's when he hawks a chaw yeah. right on his forehead and they just take off. I love that part. Yeah, um, there, there was some good dialogue in this for sure. So after that, then you come with like the next, his next, uh, companion, which is, uh, uh, lone Wadi. Long yeah, white. So he he's got to make it to the uh, to the native land, but he's got to get back past one more like union camp. So he sends yep. de- sends dead kid in on a horse as like a yes. distraction, and all the dipshits like run and chase after them, and then he just kind of passes through and makes his way onto uh, Indian land. Yeah, that's where this kind of it 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 shifts. Uh, gears in like the the storyline because you know you have the the after war Union Confederate then he's like on his own journey he's trying to like escape and not be taken and then also still fulfill his fucking uh, you know revenge for for his wife and kid and then you got like the native uh, equation the Native American equation as he's trying to get go west he's got that complicating things too but he befriends this dude who's played by chief dan george um who i liked a lot i really liked yeah, his, I thought his he was character great. um so he befriends him kind of like and like some of the stuff he goes into and talks about like the history of like the natives how he's considered like a you know a civilized native uh all that stuff was super intriguing uh too but yeah so he befriends him and then they they're they continue on and then they end up actually befriending another. Uh, so I can't remember what tribe he was. Uh, do you remember? No. Cause she was Navajo. Yeah. And then, and then I want to they... say, no, he was Cherokee. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Cause he's, right. he says that he, he talks a little bit and then like Clint Eastwood like recognize he's like, so you're Cherokee then, huh? And he's like, yeah. And then, okay, yeah, so he's Cherokee. And then they they befriend this other gal who's younger. She looks to be, like, I don't know, anywhere between 18 and 25, uh, Little Moonlight. She's Navajo, and she only speaks Navajo, and there's no subtitles or dubbing for her. But So she's just kind of like a badass in her own right, and she befriends them. Um, And then there's a scene later when fucking, when Lone White, he's like, 97,000 years old (laughs) and they're 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 bedding down for camp and it's like middle of the night and Clint Eastwood stirs up and he's got his guns and stuff like he's waiting for like you know the drop and he like looks over and this dude lone white's just getting rode by this like 19 year old Navajo gal so gross yeah I was like ah fuck and he says something too what does he say fuck I, I, I can't remember I what can't he says too. He's like, oh, I guess I'm not that old or something like that. Oh, yeah. you know? <laughs> Just like, dude, he, he puts yeah. the cherry on top, you know, like, yeah, that was a little off putting, but anywho, um, disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, then they make it through this part. Uh, they find an old settlement or no, no, no. 
this the is, trading post. I guess, the next. Yeah, the trading post. That's where they get Little Moonlight, the Navajo gal. So after that, I think the next major part. Well, and that's is where he smokes two more guys who know who he is, and then he spits on their face and. Yes, it's awesome. dude, that part was so awesome. He's like, "Give me the butt of your guns, you know, so you don't try to draw me or something." And he does, yeah. and Eastwood draws him out and flips him underside and fucking just yeah, that was awesome. I knew it. I was like, "Oh, dude, you fucked up, buddy." He's gonna flip those around and yeah, that was. Well, awesome. and also, uh, meanwhile, the uh, the red legs that are still looking for him, they have now enlisted the help of his former captain or whatever like whoever the yeah. leader of the confederate unit was that was like guys let's just go surrender everything will be fine uh they were yeah. like yeah no we're gonna kill everybody and now you're gonna have, help us find this guy so they'll they'll check in with him every now and then and he's pretty much telling him like don't go after him he's gonna fucking kill you yeah uh, he doesn't say it but one of my favorite phrases that i know you'll love is He's basically telling him to leave well enough alone. Yeah. And yeah, he's like the he he's like the quiet hype man for Josie Wales. Like because throughout <laughs> the movie he's like, yep. Like he he explains like how he's already ten steps ahead of you, or you're gonna walk into a fucking, you know, you're gonna be fishing a barrel if you do that, you know? His, so his, he's he, I was just gonna say his voice is so wild too. He talks like a TV newscaster, like yeah, he will be going south. Do you recognize that guy from anything? His name is John Vernon. I don't know. I kept. I got a. I got a pretty heavy like Jonathan Frakes vibe from him. <laughs> yeah, I get with the beard. He does look different, but I always remembered him from. He's the uh, like the headmaster in um, uh, Animal House, That's and so he's clean shaven. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I could take it or leave it. I know that's that's probably a, a hot take, but whatever. Uh, but yeah, he's well known for that, for being the headmaster in Animal House. Um, he's got some really piercing, like, baby blues, you know? And there's a couple scenes where you just see him from the nose up, like, at the end in the bar when he's like, oh, mm-hmm. it's like that, it's that fucker. Because they, they portray it like, at the beginning, he's, he's just do, trying to do right by his men, and he gets fucked over because the union guys, you know, uh, pull the switch on him and kill all of his men, but then they keep him alive. So, you know, throughout the whole thing, Josie Wales could be thinking like, "Oh yeah, he fucking he was a turncoat. Like he had everyone killed. He, he fucking right. for money or whatever, you know, or just to save his own hide." So mm-hmm. there's that kind of back and forth that I feel like doesn't. I didn't. I guess there's resolution at the end, but. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to play out differently, but anyway, um, the next main part is where um, the gal, Grandma Sarah, the the old white gal who's the old with bitch. her daughter. Yeah, is that her daughter? Or I think her it's her granddaughter. granddaughter. Yeah, because okay. she says she's talking about her son, and I believe she right. says like that's his daughter. Okay, I, I couldn't, I didn't, I missed that part. But so they were stagecoach. They're moving west to Kansas or Texas. They're they're I also going. They're also going to Texas, but they're coming from Kansas, and they're like talking gotcha. shit about Missouri. And they just weren't. Yeah. she was not a, not a very nice person. No, she was not a nice lady, and she kind of like that's another part of this that was really fucking raw. Like I was not expecting like when her stagecoach gets fucking ambushed by these, mm-hmm. uh, 
these Kansas Jayhawk fuckers, red leg sympathizers. It shows them do some really like fucked up shit. And it looks like they have some like mercenaries or like conscripts. Cause there's some Mexican dudes or, uh, like it, it just looks like a motley crew of just like pirate type fucks that ambush them on the road. And so the granddaughter actually to point of order, uh, her name is Sandra Locke, which is one of uh, Clint Eastwood's. I don't think he ever, he ever married her, but I think he had kids with her and he was, he, uh, he dated her for a long time, like many years. Um, but yeah. And, and, and he was in like, I think six or seven films with her throughout his career. But I think this is the first I think it was, this is when they first met and I actually have some, yeah, that's right. I have some interesting trivia that we'll get to at the end about that. But um, yeah, that scene when they ambushed that stagecoach was like pretty hardcore, man. Like uh, well, when they like first grand- find the, when they first find the granddaughter in the back of the wagon and they all just like freeze and you can tell like, Oh God, there's like 20 dudes that are, they just have one thing on their minds and please God don't show it. Yeah. And you, I thought it was going to, that that's what was going to happen. I was like, dude, this is insane for a P I know they didn't have PG 13 <laughs> back in these days, but for, a, so it's like PG and then R, what do you do? You know, uh, there's That's tits funny. in this movie. There's tits yeah. in a, and almost full ass because they yeah. rip off her dress. Like you think they're gonna like rape her on screen, and they she she gets saved at the last minute. Well, um, they're like, but, if if you want to rape somebody, go rape the old lady. Like Jesus, he, yeah, go <laughs> yeah, go get the old granny. We can sell her for a donkey at least or something. I was like, God damn, but yeah, like they they stay on like the grandma, like like their whole caravan has been massacred and it's the grandma like with dirt and like blood and like there's fire raging and these fuckers are hooting and hollering and drinking booze and like it's a very like intense scene and the grandma's sitting there wailing like crying and like like i wasn't expecting that for like how like intense that part was but um so they get ambushed and then of course, old lone lone whitey, fucking, he's up there trying to get a peek on on what's going on, and a rock falls down this hill. So Clint Eastwood's like, "Fuck!" So they got they join the fight. They take out every single one of them, like seventeen dudes, and then so now we have new companions, and that's like Did the you, rest of the story. I I, I kind of thought the rock dropping was intentional because then Did you? yeah, because then Clint Eastwood comes from the other side. And takes him from the front, and then Lone Waddy gets the last like stragglers from the backside. But maybe I'm just reading more into that than was actually there. That's fair. I, it definitely could be. The only reason I took it that way is because uh, Lone Waddy he he's like trying to get a peek, and this rock like I guess you could you could see it like he did it purposefully, but he just looked like a clumsy old fucking man, yeah. and the rock fell down, and then he comically slides down super slowly like oh fuck like down the backside and then i I thought like clint eastwood like looks over at him and gives him like a gruff like like i I wanted to wait for this but maybe i'm just seeing something that wasn't there yeah you could play it either way but either way the result would have been the same they fucking take out everyone surgically um so that's for the rest of the flick, that's our group is uh, old grandma, 
Laura Lee, the granddaughter, Eastwood, Little Moonlight, and Lone Wadi. So uh, they finally make their way to Grandma Sarah's son's, uh, what was it? Something Sierra Rio something was the town. Yeah. Rio Verde, or I can't remember where the fuck. They said it was outside of Blood Butte. Um, so they get there and she's hyping it up like, oh yeah, my son said Santa, they got Santa Rio. Santa Rio. There you go. Uh, like, yeah, they got fresh water and plenty of deer to hunt. And like, he's got the spread and everything and they get there and it's almost a ghost town situation. Like, like it, it sounds like the silvers have been mined, like all the, all the resource and the business has just left the town. So it's this one saloon with like five people in it. Um, so they make their way through there and then they finally, um, I think it's the sun's like homestead. Yeah. And that's where they set up their like base of operations. Like this is the last, you know, the last castle. Um, and then I, I, I like the conclusion quite a bit actually. Um, I thought it was going to kind of be kind of by the numbers and I guess it is to some degree, but yeah, it's basically, they fall back to the, you know, their last position and then they fortify and they have all these guns and they all know where to be. And you finally well, get your last, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. I was just going to say, so, uh, the, the, the group that raided the Kansas family were, these like scumbags who would sell like booze and guns to the Comanche Indians. They called them Comancheros. Right. Um, so then right around that time you first see the Comanches and it's like, Oh shit, we're going to have to deal with these guys at some point. So when they get to the house, they're sort of fortifying everything for an impending fight with them. Mm-hmm. But, but the part where he goes to like make peace with 10 bears I thought that yes. was like one of my favorite parts of the whole movie. Like that was such a cool dialogue back and forth. Yes. And I want to try to pull up some of the quotes because yeah, that, yeah. Cause right before the last stand part, they kind of make camp at this place and then they realize, you know, they're in, they're kind of straddling like native land and there's these Comanches, Comancheros, and they don't trust the white people at all. And they've, uh, so Clint Eastwood basically for them to stay there and like, you know, try to carve out a living, um, whether he lives or not, he's got to kind of make peace. He's got to break bread with the main dude is this dude, 10 bears, uh, who's the leader of the Comanches. He kind of needs to like, either we're going to throw down and we're going to fight to the death or, you know, we're going to live and let live. We're going to be peaceful. He's like, I got no dog in this, you know? Union yeah. Confederate. He's like, I, we're just trying to come out to like this free state of Texas and, and just live, you know, but I, I did. I liked that a lot to the, uh, their back and forth, like very like honorable and like, you know, it kind of cuts away all the bullshit, you know? Yeah. He's like, you hate the government. So do I. We're cool. Yeah. I kind of uh, thought for was- a second when the, uh, when the eventual showdown with the red legs was going to happen, that maybe the Comanches would come in and just like fuck them up from the other side unexpectedly. I thought that would have been cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought it was going to go differently, but I, 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 I'm, I liked the end result. I liked the way they went with it. 
Um, what was the part about the the iron? What do you, what did he say? Uh, oh, if you get if you get shot, put iron to it. Yeah. No. 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 The when he's when uh, Josie Wales is talking with Ten Bears. Yeah, he says. Um, yeah, when they're talking, he he's like, you know, I'll let you guys in peace. You leave us in peace. We won't fuck with you. You know, he's like, uh, and then Ten Bears is like, these things that you're talking about. He's like, we already have that. And then uh, Josie Wales says, that's true. I, I ain't promising nothing extra. I'm just giving you life and you're giving me life. And I'm saying that men can live together without butchering one another. And then Ten Bears, this is my favorite part. He says, it's sad that governments are chiefed by the double tongues. There's iron in your words of death for all Comanche to see. And so that, so there's iron in your words of life. No signed paper can hold the iron. It must come from men. The words of Ten Bears carries the same iron of life and death. It is good that warriors such as we meet in the struggle of life or death. And then he's like, it shall be life. And I wasn't expecting that. I thought it was going to be like, oh, yeah, okay. They're going to throw down here. And this is going to be it. But, yeah, so they they make peace. And then they go back. And then that's where we catch up. This comes full circle with uh, that red leg group, a union fuckos that come and and, uh, get cut up by Clint Eastwood and his rabble. Yeah, big shootout. Good guys come out on top. I love that he chases he chases the last guy down, the main guy, and he's completely out of ammo. And he's got like four different guns that he just like dry dry fires every single chamber at him, grabs the next gun, every single round is gone and And it zooms in on the dude and it shows him flinching every time, like, oh, is this gonna be the bullet? Like uh. yeah. yeah, that was dope. Then he finally runs him through with his own Union Saber. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Very satisfying. Oh, point of order, too. The guy we were just talking about, Ten Bears, who plays the chief of um, uh, the Comanches, he, uh, for the discerning eye, he he plays the main dude in... Have you ever seen Poltergeist? No. Oh, dude, you never seen Poltergeist. Fuck. Halloween's Um, coming up. I know, dude. That would be a really good one. You'd probably like it too, because it's Spielberg. Like it's it's very well done, and it's not like gore for the sake of gore. But he is in uh, Poltergeist Two, uh, the other side, and he plays this dude named Taylor. That's probably his most one of his most well known roles. And I didn't realize that he was in this. So I was like, oh shit! I was like, that's the dude from Poltergeist Two. But um, yeah, he plays like a a dope like uh like a sage uh uh like he knows all the spiritual shit. He helps drive out like evil like a shaman or spirits. Something. Yeah. He yeah, he's super dope. And uh yeah, he's in Poltergeist too. So, fun fact. I was so, like, "Oh shit." So, I didn't look up a lot of trivia about this, but one of the things I did find which I found very interesting because I thought, so when the movie started, I was like, oh, wow, I guess I guess I wasn't, so, like, the Western genre doesn't come too far after the Civil War, right? Like, people moving West and Texas and Arizona and all that shit. Mm-hmm. But when, when the setting was during the Civil War, I was like, wow, I guess I never really bridged the gap between those two periods. And I was like, wow, it's really, that's kind of a strange choice creatively to sort of have 
a confederate be like the hero of this western ish movie it and mm-hmm. so i just i just thought that was kind of a strange choice but then i was reading uh that this movie was inspired by a, a novel that was written by a supposedly cherokee writer named forrest carter um mm-hmm. but that's actually the alias of a former kk kkk leader and segregational speechwriter of george wallace ew and I guess his real name is Asa Earl Carter. Uh, and huh. and I, guess, I guess one of the only reasons why his identity would, was exposed as being a fraud was uh, in due part, in part due to the success of this movie. And people were looking into it like, oh, wow, let's, who's this interesting Cherokee huh. writer who wrote this book? And I guess the original title was The Rebel Outlaw. Josie Wales, and then later retitled Gone to Texas. So, huh. uh, interesting. We got a little bit of a Liz Warren situation on our hands with this guy's like, no, I'm 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 Cherokee, but I'm, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna write this as like a pro Southern weird. You know, it's just such a bizarre set of circumstances that when I read that, like, okay, that makes a hundred percent more sense now. That's crazy because Clint Eastwood is like staunchly anti-racist, like, believe it or not, despite the films that he's made. Um, yeah. I wonder how that sits in his craw that he knew that, that him finding that out later. Cause he directed this too. Um, well, the only other fun fact I found is it has to do with how he actually became the sole director of this movie. Um, yeah, and I, this ties I, back to the Sandra Locke deal. So it's it's kind of confusing and really convoluted. So I, I'll I will go pretty simple. If you want to go deeper, that's fine. But it sounds no, like cool. him and the director just really kind of butted heads, and there were incidents of like the director wanted to do something, and Clint's like, "Nah, we're just going to do this," and would like have them film the scene before the guy came back and was like, "Fuck it, we're going home," and then. It sounds like Clint was able to convince either the producer or somebody like fire this director. I'm going to do it. Yeah. I guess the uh, director's guild got all butthurt and passed a new rule that they they named the Eastwood rule, which prohibits an actor or producer from firing a director and then personally taking on the director role. Imagine like a coach of a baseball team, like get this pitcher out of here. I'm going in. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was really interesting. He's like, I'm going to do it. And I thought he did a great job. I, I wonder how much of it, I wonder how much of the movie is, a uh, has like directorial fingerprints of the previous guy versus Clint East, you know, like how much of it changed. Cause it didn't seem like two distinctly different styles, you know? Yeah. It, it felt pretty fluid and like, like, uh, or not fluid, but, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Like homogenous, uh, like it, it yeah. seemed continuous. You know, it's not like if you were to tell me that happened in the middle of them making from dusk till dawn, I would say yeah. like, oh yeah, I can see that. It seems like two yeah. completely different <laughs> movies that are just like mashed together. Yeah. Yeah. This one was very, it flowed very well. Like it, it didn't feel like it's like a carousel. It goes up and down and around. Circular, feeling it, feeling the flow. Yeah. So to piggyback on that too. So I guess uh, according to biographer biographer Mark Elliott, 
part of the acrimony between Eastwood and Philip Kaufman, the original director, was the result of both men asking the female lead, Sandra Locke, out to dinner on the same night. Um, and we know how that worked out because Eastwood ended up uh, being with her, shacked up with her for like the next 15 years. Um, and then it says several members of the cast and crew were actually unhappy with Eastwood and felt that Kaufman had done a lot of the work for which Eastwood later took credit. According so to them, it was it was Kaufman who had chosen locations, costumes, and casting <laughs> the Chief Dan George. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Did you know some of this was filmed in Oroville? No. Yeah. Swear to God. Huh. There's another fun, really weird piece of trivia too about Oroville. Um, where the fuck is it? Uh, what a shithole. Well, if that's what they yeah. were looking for, they found it. Yeah, so this was filmed primarily in Utah and Arizona, but it was also filmed in Oroville. And fun fact, too, so it says, I don't know how this piece of trivia is in here, but uh, so Clint Eastwood and Sandra Locke stayed together at an unremarkable hotel in Oroville, California, when production had moved there in November of whatever year that they shot. Uh, On Thanksgiving night, post-coital, Eastwood suddenly and unexpectedly leapt out of bed, threw open the hotel room door, and standing stark naked for the world, shouted, Sweetie, I love you. Yeah, Isn't that's that the fucking cr- weird. That's the, that's the crystal meth talking. <laughs> when, it, when in Rome, as they say. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was a weird piece of trivia. And I was like, oh, fuck. And so then I looked it up outside of that, like filming locations and sure shit. I wish it was more specific. It says Oroville. So it was probably the shitty part. Um, so imagine going back to the, them both asking her out on the same night. Imagine how different it would be if Clint asks her first and she's like, sure. Yeah, let's go get dinner. And then the, the other guy, what's the other guy's name? Philip Kaufman. Yeah, Philip Seymour Kaufman. Let's say yeah. he, he then he asks her out and she's like, Oh sorry, I've got plans, and then he just becomes jealous. But what if he had asked her first and she's like, No, sorry, I'm busy or I'm not interested, I can't do it. And then yeah. Clint asked her and she's like, Sure, <laughs> I'd love to. <laughs> or she said yes to the dude, and then he would ask her and, and then he had then she had to go back to the first dude and was like, Yeah, I'm sick or yeah, I got other yeah. shit going on. Hmm. I'm I'm just gonna well, go with Clint. She's dead now, so I guess we'll never know. Yeah, looks she passed away in 2018. It looks like, and I don't know if um, Kaufman is still alive. Who cares? Yep. All right. So yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, that's any other uh, any other fun facts you got? Mm, no. It's just it's highly regarded. Um, I I did love that part that we we kind of skipped over when when they get to Santa Rio and they're hanging out in the bar. Those two bounty hunters that we saw earlier recognize him, and the yeah. one co- and the one comes in and it's like super sheepish, like I'm looking for Josie Wales, and he's like, "That's me." What? Yeah. And then he's like, you know, you don't have to do this. You can just leave. And the guy's like, "All right," and he leaves. And then he comes back like, "Fuck." I don't really have a choice. And he's like, doesn't he say something stupid when he comes back into? He's like, I didn't feel like leaving or something like that. 
So yeah, something like that. But then it's like one of the best lines of the movie, I thought, where uh he's like, you know, you don't have to do this or whatever, and he's like, It's it's how I make a living, you know, and he's like, Dying ain't much of a living boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so sick. Yeah, that is a good line. Yeah. I probably I probably butchered it, but hey. Oh well. I liked I liked earlier in the film too when like uh Can I guess what you're about to say? Yeah. The part where he's like, I'm going to kick you so hard, you're going to be wearing your ass for a hat. <laughs> no, I ah. did like that. But no, that's not the scene I'm, I'm about to explain. <laughs> but no, it's when uh, Eastwood is like going out and he's he's going to stand. He's going to fucking throw down with some dude and uh, Lone White's in the background, giving like commentary, like play by play to it. And he's like, he's like, yep, go up to him. And then he, and then it cuts to Eastwood talking. Then it cuts back, and he's like, "All right, now spit." Yeah. And then it shows Eastwood, and he's all, Bleh! and then yeah. it's on. You know, I love that li- that just little part. I like that. Dude, there spit. were there were so many little good parts, like the snake oil salesman. He's like, "Oh, it's good for everything." He's like, Bleh! "How about Steins?" <laughs> just spits yeah. right in the spirit. <laughs> all right, I love the I love the the quick little when the the white late uh, grandma. Says something about like red skin, something or other. No offense. And the guy's like, Yeah, don't take it. And then later he's like, Something about <laughs> pale faces. And then he's like, No offense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Their little, little moments were good too. I like that how she, she kind of redeemed herself. Cause when they introduce her, you're just like, Oh, fuck this bitch, yeah. you know? Like, and then later on she's like, Ah, you're not so bad, you know? And she's yeah. like, Dude, her and Sandra Locke take out like fucking like nine people on horseback, mm-hmm. like through these little slits in these, in that little cabin. Yeah, yeah they fucking wreck shop in that last, like, f- that main throwdown scene. But all right. Yeah, that was, uh, I'm I'm glad I can't remember who re- recommended that last time, but uh, I'm glad we Shout finally out whoever watched did. it. That was that was an awesome movie. Yeah, that was dope. Um, yeah, like by the so, yeah, was, towards the end of it, I was like, God, I, I wish it would just keep going. You know, it was such a cool story. Yeah, I liked it a lot, and it was it was more. It had more substance than I thought it was going to have. So yeah, I sounds agree. like a a strong recommend from the Porpoise Crew. Um, so yeah, let us let us know what you guys thought. Um, uh, you can reach us reach out to us on uh, uh, email wax at waxingtheporpoise.com or one of our socials. Uh, you know, Instagram you, is. Sorry, do you know what a group of dolphins is called? A pod. A pod. How fun! Yes. Full circle. Oh, like podcast. I was about to be like, oh, that was your whole story. Um, so it's a short story uh, yeah <laughs> his dad boned my mom <laughs> um yeah uh instagram waxing the porpoise or at twitter at waxing the porp you can reach out to us give us some halloween suggestions some movies for a first timer i almost got it rounded out uh for steve here but um I think Poltergeist one. You haven't please, seen that. That would yeah. That'd be a fun one to do. I please think that'll be a crowd watch, pleaser. Please don't make me watch Hocus Pocus. No, we're not gonna do that. Every, every we're going hard Halloween for this year. <laughs> they're all gonna be dope. They're all I I stake my reputation on it that they're all gonna Ooh. be bangers. Okay. 
which is not much. But um, so let's get in a little bit of housekeeping stuff. So we got we got a couple. We got a new review. So shout out to hey hey it's me on uh, Apple Podcasts. They give us a five star, and it's short and sweet. Uh, it says good show. These guys do a great job breaking down the films. Very enjoyable. Recommend. Oh. Thank you very much. Hey, hey, it's me. We appreciate very, it. Very nice of you. Much appreciated. And other side of the coin, we got a little hate mail here uh, on your dog shit burbs <clears throat> takes. Uh, so without further ado. Yeah, let's uh, hear it. <laughs> this is pretty fucking extra. So, all right. So it starts out. So like said a dear Steve or dear it's, it says fucking Steve comma. Nice. Uh, <clears throat> what is wrong with you? Listening to you shit on the burbs felt like someone spraying jalapeno fueled diarrhea on my eight year old face. You might want to take a break. <laughs> uh, oh, that got me. <laughs> uh, you might want to take a break from counting cards and start counting all the stiff dicks dropping loads on your tight ass, my friend. Oh my god! Oh yeah, they're going in. Um, uh, let's wall. Let's wallow that brown eye out a little, so maybe you can enjoy the next cin- cinematic masterpiece. G baby serves your ungrateful ass. Uh, Corey Feldman is a goddamn gift to us all. Oh my Steve. God. <laughs> is it who, possible who, to listen? Who wrote this? <laughs> you? No, I swear. <laughs> um, is it possible to listen to Corey Feldman and the angels hit single go for it and not have every drop of blood in your body rush to the tip of your dick? The answer <laughs> is no, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh my it's God. A, <laughs> it's the, <laughs> it's the first song on my ass blast playlist for a reason. Um, in closing, I hope Joe Dante kicks your ass G baby for life. Sincerely Hydraberg, uh, friend of the show. Oh my uh, God. Check, check out a cut above horror review. Um, <sighs> yeah, that was good. <laughs> that was really well crafted. <laughs> I, I really have nothing, no retort. I thought I would just like insult insult your family or call you adopted but that was just too good god that made me tear up a little bit yeah me too (laughs) i need i was due for a good laugh so (laughs) thank you thank you much uh what was the guy's name again uh hydraberg hydraberg oh man that was funny man thanks for the laugh yeah friend of the show uh check out a cut above horror review i've been on there check out it the it follows episode number 37 i think oh, in the archives dog shit movies <laughs> shit. no we're not even <laughs> not even gonna do it with you um all right uh what one last thing too we have uh i actually have a, an entry for the colloquial corner Welcome to the Colloquial Corner. I think I ought to turn that down a little bit. Or make it longer. Um, (laughs) 
Um, okay, so what, this is a slang term. This is we're going international uh, this week. This is one I've heard in the past too, and then I thought of it again. Like, oh fuck, that would be a good one. So, have you ever heard the term uh, crack? Like, it's spelled C R A I C, and it's in in a sentence. It'd be like, um, "Hey boys, what's what's the crack? What's going on?" No, never heard that. No. So it's. Can you guess what uh, region or country this is uh, from? What's the crack? Um, what's what's crack? I'm trying to make an inference based on the way you're saying it, and I'm not really getting yeah, it. Yeah, my my accent of what this region is probably comes <laughs> more across as like Jamaican, but um, I don't know. My first guess is that it would be something like. In the limey, like the weird Cockney, like uh, I can't even think of a good example where they do like that word association, yeah, replacement, like yeah, it's that's know. not it. But you're on the you're on the right track. So this is from this is Irish, Ireland, same shit, yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's kind of like you know how another one that. It, it just amuses me and it like, I, it makes me curious, like just like the, the stark difference of, you know, like British people when they say like in, in a, in America, you know, you see someone and you're like, Hey, what's going on? Or how's it going? Or what's up? And in Britain, they're like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> we used to have a boss that was fucking like full British and would do that sometime it every time it always caught me off guard because it's like, I make that's, that's a response, not an opener, you know, like, like, Hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm all right. Or all right. And it's like, when you start with that, it just, it feels very herky jerky. Like when, when I would say, Hey, how's it going? How's your weekend? Or, or how's it going? He'd be like, all right. But <laughs> that's not, that's not, he didn't mean like, Oh, it was all right. Or when he would come up to you and be like, all right. Like, ugh, it's just weird. You're just but, short circuit and blood comes yeah. out of your ear. Yeah. Uh, I just stroked out for a second, but no. I'm, so uh, I'm, I'm neurodivergent. I'm not understanding yeah. what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> so crack is Irish and it has many different meanings. It's like, I, I like this about it too. It's, it's very malleable. It's kind of like, the word fuck like you can use that for anything um but it's it, it's a little bit of a different animal so i have a youtube clip cl uh cooked up here th from irish people and they all have different descriptions of what it means uh so this is what this is fr straight from the horse's mouth what crack means in irish what is crack what is it it's just gonna be on the telly what the crack is? Yeah, I know what the crack is. A good moment with your friends. Sitting down with some friends, having a good meal. It means having fun. Uh, being out with the family. Having a ball. Having a laugh. It means being in Dublin. <laughs> and going on the terror. Just playing a bit of music with friends and like <laughs> going out. Pints on a Saturday night. Not, Not to drinking anyway. Like a few cans and a few rollies. You can have a drink and you can have the crack. Doing mad things. Just when you're on a buzz, when you're high on life. like Meeting like, up yeah. with girls and all that. <laughs> Where the fun is that in Ireland? <laughs> Having fun with Irish people. And that. Uh, <laughs> and a cup of tea. There's your answer. <laughs> Having the crack. Having the crack. Interesting. <laughs> there is there is definitely a uh, visual component to those, to those people on the street. 
But is it like, uh, like, oh, what we're is the a, crack? We're, we're having a crack up, you know, we're having a gas, like, yeah, you know, that type of thing. See, I've before this clip, I had heard it, and the way I heard it talked about, it sounded like, you know, like, what's the scuttlebutt? Like, what's the good word? What's the word? What's the word around the campfire? What's, you know, like, what's the gossip? And then in this, it's like, I guess you could infer some of that, but in this one, it's more like, you know, describing like an atmosphere of like, you know, good vibes, like hanging with your buddies, bullshit and having drinks, you know, it can mean many different things or yeah. one thing, you know, like, yeah, I just thought it was interesting. Stuff like that is pretty funny. We, I went to England like 10, 10, 11 years ago and it was with my old lady's family and they have a family friend that lives over there and who was nice enough to kind of show us around and uh, fed us and was super, super nice guy and had tons of, tons of funny stories and crazy turns of phrase. And at one point he was talking about him and his buddies, like how they used to get all fucked up or whatever. And it took me a second to realize what he was saying, but he was like, (laughs) yeah, you know, me and the boys would go out and just get completely rip assed and, and just like, I'm like, did you just say rip assed? <laughs> I still remember that. That was one of my favorite sayings that you brought back from there for for getting pissed oh, yeah. or or just bombed. Yeah, we just get completely rip assed. Like, <laughs> Chase, don't do that. Uh, all well, right, another fun one. Yeah, that was that was good times. I really liked that review. That was that was fucking great. I needed that. So thank you again, Hyderberg. Um, yeah, that was hilarious. Oh, let's talk about next week real quick here. So I have, um, I kind of tried to plot out the next two months cause I've been hyping this and I'm getting fucking psyched going into <laughs> <laughs> September and October just to turn it up to 11 on Look horror you. you're excited i am i'm super excited so i i want i wanted to go into like an unexplained kind of kind of bounce back to that formula but and and we can talk about it further but I, I i feel really good about this lineup there's a couple maybes i have in here so we're still fielding uh any suggestions anybody's got for us let us know uh uh, so tentatively, this is what I have starting. So this would be, we would release next Thursday, September 1st. Um, so I have through September 1st through October 27th, we got nine films here and let me, I didn't, I didn't run any of these by you. I guess we could just do it rapid fire and let me know if you've seen any of these before. Um, let's see. First one I have queued up, I'm pretty jacked for. This is dope. Uh, the Mothman Prophecies with Richard Gere. Have you ever seen that? Nope. That's a good one. I, I think that would... Also, although, I think Christine would be a good one to swap out. I think that'd be a really good first one, actually. So what do you think? Christine's on Netflix right now. You want to watch that? Sure. I've read the book. No oh, you deal. did? No big deal. I mean, I, I okay. assume it's the Stephen King adaptation. Yep. And, okay. Yep. Directed by John Carpenter. Um, this is actually a new one on me. I watched this for the first time 
last year because i was like oh christine fucking murderous car blah 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 i was like that sounds dumb it does sound pretty stupid i i I remember liking the book dude i fucking loved the movie and this is a side of like like later in life i watch more and more horror like i become more of a john carpenter fan and even knowing that he directed christine i was just like yeah that's not that's not my flavor that's not for me like a murderous car and you know uh, so I just never watched it, but I watched it for the first time last Halloween and I, it fucking knocked my socks off. I loved okay. it. Okay. All right. So well, I think that would be, that would be a good one. All right. So I got, yeah, I got Christine Mothman prophecies, uh, in the mouth of madness is, uh, another John Carpenter and it's, uh, stars Sam Neill. Jurassic from, Park. Yep. He's awesome in it. I think this would be a cool kind of a mind bender. Uh, and it's kind of, yeah, I'll leave it there. Uh, Scout's Guide to the Apocalypse. I know you said you hadn't seen that one. No. Um, Night Watch. I don't think you've seen that one. That's with Ewan McGregor, a young Josh Brolin. Phantasm Deuce. Def- that's a definite. Have you ever seen Beetlejuice with Michael Keaton? And um, Alec-, Alec Baldwin. Isn't one known in it? One on a rider. I might have seen it as a kid. I have no memory of it at all. Okay, I think this will be. This is a good Halloween one. This this one's really fun too. I love Michael Keaton in it. That one we should we should plan. We should get shitty for that one. Um, have you ever seen Trick or Treat? Not to be confused with Trick or Treat from 1987. <laughs> this is from. <laughs> this is from 2007. The, I haven't seen The Godfather. What do you think? <laughs> okay. And then have you ever seen Halloween three season um, of the witch? I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot of the, the Halloween Friday, the 13th nightmare on Elm street, but I couldn't tell you for sure if I've seen that one. So Halloween three, this is easy because this is the only one without Michael Myers in it. I don't remember. It would have been a long, long time ago though. Okay, well, maybe watch the trailer for that and see if that rings any bells, because I think that would be a fun one to watch with a first-time watcher. So he... How do they make a full movie? <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be good to discuss on the cast, because that's that's a... It's, it's definitely an, an anomaly, because hearing Halloween 3 and you're like, wait, there's no Michael Myers in it? That's like, that's part of the the intrigue yeah. about it. Do it, it got like a Friday sh- the 13th. Is it his mom? No, 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 no. So it's totally separate from Michael Myers storyline. Cause so real quick trivia, like to everyone that, that knows about horror films and Halloween, this is super remedial, but so the original intent with Halloween was to make them one off. Like they were going to do Halloween and it it actually wasn't even intended, I think to go beyond uh, the first movie, but then it got hyped up and then John Carpenter wanted to be like, okay, yeah, I'll come back. I want to do like kind of like an anthology, but not so like the whole franchise would be an anthology, but they'd be standalone movies. So the first one, Michael gotcha. Myers, Halloween yeah. two would be something completely fucking different and then yeah. just go on from there. But the popularity of Michael Myers, the mask, Halloween, the studio basically fucking shoveled more money than 
God than John Carpenter could say. And I think it was part of like a contractual kind of, they had him by the balls kind of thing. So he's like, all right, fuck it. I'll make this. And then I, I, I could be getting this wrong, but I think the third one, he was like, but okay. Then for the third one, you got to let me do what I want to do and do a fucking different story. And then he did that. And then people fucking shit on it because they're like, (laughs) where's Michael Myers? Where's fucking Michael? You know? Yeah. But so through the, through the years, it's become more and more respected and like on its own merits, like as its own story without Michael Myers. And okay. uh, it's become a cult classic. I really like it. The soundtrack's fucking banging. It's got a funky, weird story. Tom Atkins is in it, which I don't think you have any experience with, but I think you'll like him. Uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a fun one. And I think it'd, it'd be a great, like we'd be releasing that. October 27th. I think that would be a really good cap for uh spooky season, especially for a first timer. So that's the tentative schedule we got. So uh, for now we're going to be, t- let's, let's play it on Christine. That's on Netflix right now. It's from 1983. Um, it's a banger. I fucking love it. I'm psyched to watch it again. Okay. Sounds good. Alrighty, well that's gonna that's gonna do us here for whole wax in the porp. Uh, thank you for joining us. Keep the reviews coming in. Let yeah. us know what you like, what you don't like, and I'll go, uh, I'll go count the the dicks. What was it <laughs> busting in my ass? Or <laughs> jalapeno diarrhea shit in my face. Yeah. Oh man, yeah, that was fun. I wish somebody would needlepoint that entire thing to me so I could hang it on my wall. (laughs) (laughs) Or put it on one of those like inspirational posters where it's footprints on the beach with like the sunset. (laughs) Just underneath your live, laugh, love. Yeah. That'd be world's largest (laughs) needlepoint. It would make me laugh every time though. (laughs) All right. Well, maybe we can commission someone um alrighty well that, that'll do it for us uh thanks again for joining us and uh i'll see you when i see you and we'll see you later bye chase what the fuck were you thinking about here